Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, a Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Onward and Upward, we're at episode 189, if you're counting, of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast, and we appreciate you uh, getting the word out, and I'm telling you, every week, we're it is a little, little strange. People are stopping me and saying, man, this is the center of my week, and I'm going, well. Oh, my well, goodness. I mean, no, they're really enjoying it. Nobody and, stops uh, me, man. I, I don't. I, I guess think, they, they like you. Yeah, I'm approachable, you know. I, <laughs> That's right, I'm not. I'm just well, a, I'm just a, just a mean old guy. And, I'm the hugger, and, yeah. you know, I hug them and all that stuff. But anyway. Yeah, Sunday mornings um, are hard for me because I'm, I'm trying to see everybody, but I'm also running a million different directions. I don't get to be out front like you do. And But anyway, it's, it's a blessing to hear. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and they, they enjoy it. They really, yeah. I mean, I don't think, uh, as many people have told me, I don't think it's their feel obligated somehow to tell us to hunt me down and tell us well, what's I going on so helpful, i'm glad to hear uh, that this is helpful for somebody and the reason is is because so many of you are telling other people that's about right. it that's the big deal so like we always say go to facebook twitter uh go to the instagram um text them uh tell them in small group in your life connection groups uh just let them know about the connecting faith to life podcast and uh, how it can help them understand how the bible connects to their everyday life that's right well Trey, i missed you last week well i missed i missed you being here in the history of connecting faith to life which i don't know is how many years now gosh it's three more than that, you think fifty two weeks four. a year? Yeah. We're on episode what? One hundred eighty seven. I don't do math very well, but that's, that's going to be four years, right? Yeah, it's a lot, man. It's a long time. But in the history, my first absence. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was strange because I I didn't change the intro. I, I don't know if you yeah, listened, listened, paid attention. I listened. Because I just, I, yes, I, we, I was going to, and I said, no, we're not doing that. No, so. No, we're not doing I had the so. laryngitis last week uh. and could not speak at all. So I'm glad that Randy and Mariah stepped in, and it was a good episode. They yeah, did they a did. really good job. I thought they did But fantastic. we've got, that, I was really kind of jealous because we have these brand new microphones mm. that we're using, and we uh, tested these microphones for the first time last week, and I didn't get to be the first one. Somebody else, Randy spitting this mic before <laughs> I did, and I'm just kind of well jealous of that. Well, this, uh, is, this it, is my mic, and Randy. If it's any consolation, I did get to try this one out. Well, at least one of us did, I guess. <laughs> so but anyway, at any rate, I'm I'm glad to be back. I'm glad my voice is back and oh, all I am those too. kinds of things. It was it was a rough week. So for it's a preacher, you get paid to talk and you can't talk. I was going to say for a preacher, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big that's deal, a big man. Deal. It's a big deal. It happened to me one time when I was a minister of worship, and I'm telling you, for three months I didn't have a voice. Well, I'm glad rough. it was you know on on last Sunday I yeah. had a voice, but I could feel it fading. I know right. I was getting, and I think it was just all allergies. Is getting that time of year and. Then Monday, I just I couldn't get anything. Oh, out. you were it you were not bad. even getting it was a squeak bad. out. I had to cancel my class at CSU, and uh, so and it took I think about Wednesday or so, Wednesday or Thursday of last week, it started to come back in its full force. But at any rate, we are glad to have you back, brother. And it's good to be back. Well, uh, in the news right now is is this uh, idea, this concept of this uh, what they're calling revival taking place at uh, Asbury University, and uh, typically that tends to be the place where revival has started yeah, wild, isn't it? over the years. Yeah. Uh, and I went back and looked at all the different, the last one was about 2006 and seems to go 
every 20 or so years something like this happens and just out of the blue there was no nothing from what i understand there was nothing contrived nothing like all right we got to have revival it hadn't it's been so long we is just a regular it's message interesting and that how this it school has been um uh, one of the centers for mm-hmm. awakening and mm-hmm. revival movements in our nation. And I don't know what it is about this school. I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, we it's not something we're going to understand. No. Um, I went back and looked, too. I mean, there was in the 70s, there was a revival there in the, at the turn of the century. Yeah. Uh, there was a revival at Asbury. So um, I, I've never been there. I'd like, I'm curious about this school and uh, why the Spirit of God seems to uh, show some favor to this school and uh, bringing about revival, it's just it's really interesting. But there's one going on now, or something. Something. Some yeah. people are hesitant to call it revival, and I understand that. Uh, but they had a a chapel service a couple. It's been a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. It's been almost two weeks. Yeah. And they're still going, 24 hours a day, around the clock. Yeah. Something going on in that chapel. Um, I, I listened to part of the sermon that the gentleman who preached, where it kind of began to happen. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he led an invitation at the end, and people started to come to pray at the, yeah. at the front and have been doing so ever since. And I, I listened to a sermon, and as a preaching professor, uh, I thought, man, that's, that's just all right. <laughs> it's all right. It wasn't it was an A+. Okay. Plus, it wasn't an A. It wasn't it maybe a kind of like I feel about my sermons some, some, some Sundays. <laughs> we all a, do. A solid yeah. B, right? Yeah. So it was a good sermon. I mean, it was, you know, I, as a preaching professor, I thought, man, there, there's lots of things he could have done differently that would be more effective and, you know, this and that, you know, just kind of my, uh, my critical mind that analyzes preachers. But then you, then you realize, you know, uh, there were some things he could have done differently to communicate better, whatever, but it's not about that. It's about the Spirit of God Amen. in that moment taking control of that service and uh, it's 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 not about the preacher. Mm-hmm. It's not even oftentimes about you know the uh, the exactness of what the preacher says or the uh, beauty or eloquence. It's about the spirit of God getting a hold of the hearts of people, and and that's what happened. In fact, I read a story, and again, if if you've been keeping up with this, and maybe you have, maybe you haven't. As I um, read some different stories about this revival and some different things on social media, I came across uh, a, a story that said you know after he preached the message, he actually. Uh, texted his wife but, you know, as people were coming down praying. I mean, they hadn't the, the re- revival or whatever we were going to call it hadn't really broken out like it. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of people were coming down praying a little bit. And he texted his wife as he was sitting back down. I'll be home soon. This one stunk. Wow. Just <laughs> thought he thought his message stunk. And then wow. And then next thing you know, they're they're there for days. So just really interesting how it all started. And um, but yeah, Asbury has apparently been this center of uh, spiritual awakening over the last century, at least. Mm-hmm. And so here we are again. Um, the, the You said 2006. I didn't read about that one, but there was one in 1970. Yeah. And so that was kind of during the whole Jesus movement thing. I was going to say that was so, working at that time. And again, I'm not trying to pick on your age this time. I'm really not, but I'm curious because I wasn't I don't remember then. it. You don't remember it? I wasn't even saved. I didn't know what was going on. I had no clue. <laughs> No, really. I mean, that makes sense. I didn't get saved till like I was seven in 1974. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, we knew about the Jesus movement, but all the preachers are preaching against it, you know, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it's real, it'll last. And now we, you know, we have the legacy of Chuck yeah. Smith. Yeah. So, it, it, it did last. You know, it did there, last. There were, yeah. there were, you know, there was some real life change that yeah. came out of that. And um, I don't know, you know, if you're listening, how, how big of a historian you might be, or if you've, if you've, you know, read about some of these revivals that have broken out in our country in the past, but there there have been quite a few what we would call revivals. Mm-hmm. Now, now when when I say revival, we probably need to put a definition on the table, and sure. I don't know if uh, I have a good definition good. of uh, that we can put out there. Over the years, revival revival has been defined in lots of different ways. I think I would define revival as just a, an, a heightened awareness 
of the activity of the Spirit of God that comes upon a group of people that leads that group of people uh, to repent of sin, uh, to join together in prayer, and to become serious about obeying the Lord, right? And revival, uh, it does have lasting results. And so you think about throughout the history of our country, there have been several really big revivals. Most of us, I think, are somewhat familiar with the Great Awakening that began to take place in the the mid-1700s. You're familiar with the names like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and John Wesley. That was a revivalistic movement uh, that really swept across our country. Uh, I've told this story before. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast or not, uh, but the church I pastored in North Augusta was planted by a man named Daniel Marshall. You ever heard that name before? Well, because of you, because yes. of me. Well, Daniel yeah. Marshall, um, he was he was ministry partners with a guy named Shubal Stearns, and they went up and down the East Coast planting churches, and they came to South Carolina and planted churches, and they planted uh, the church I pastored uh, over two hundred years ago. Wow! And then they crossed from South Carolina into Georgia and planted in Georgia Kaoki Baptist Church, which is the uh, first Baptist church planted in the state of Georgia. And oh, so he planted mm. our church before Kyoki Baptist, but it, but our church wasn't the first in South Carolina. And then he crossed over and did the first one in Georgia. Anyway, I tell you that because Daniel Marshall, um, he, he was greatly influenced by George Whitfield. And so he came out of that revivalistic movement, that Great Awakening. And so that church I pastored in North Augusta, it was planted as a result of the Great Awakening, which I thought was really, really cool, right? To, to, to pastor a church yeah. that had that kind of, of history uh, was, was really, really neat. And so, you know, that Great Awakening, it really did, it, it, for, for, for our nation, it, it changed the landscape for a season. If you were to go back and read, and I mean, I could recommend lots of different books to read about this kind of stuff, but you, go, you were to go back to read, I mean, uh, prior to the Great Awakening here in, in the States in the mid-1700s, uh, culture, it, it didn't, I mean, in some ways it looked a lot different, but as far as sin, yeah. There's a lot of sin going on. I mean, you go back and read about is, is some what, because I've read so many statistics uh, that came out of some of the study that was done uh, about our United States and this season of awakening in the 1700s. Uh, just the, the, the rate of or the number of people, women who were getting pregnant out of wedlock was off the charts. Just things like that, right? Alcoholism. Uh, there was lots of stuff, you know, that was going on in the States and there was a need for awakening and God sent it. And, and you probably heard about the Second Great Awakening. Is that that? And that started on a college campus as well. You know where that started? I, I should know, but I yeah, don't. It's okay, but you wouldn't think of a revival starting on this college campus today. Princeton. Princeton. I, yeah. Yeah, I did know Well, that. when Princeton was founded, um, Princeton, you know, its, it's original purpose was to train ministers. Mm-hmm. You, know, it was, you know, it was a theological school. It's not that anymore. Now, there, there's the Princeton Seminary, but that's another story for another day. Um, but, but this college campus, Princeton, the, the president, I can't really think of his name. I think one thing, Dwight something, I don't remember. Uh, but at any rate, uh, this revival broke out at Princeton. And so as you look throughout the history of revivals in the United States, Oftentimes, these revivals have broken out on college campuses. And so what's happened at Asbury over the last couple of weeks, really, in the history of revivals, is not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Now, they've broken out in other places as well. One of my favorite uh, revival stories, and I've told this story numerous times too, is the story of Jeremiah Lampfear. Remember that name, Jeremiah Lampfear? I know the name. Yeah, so so he was a businessman in New York. Oh, yeah. And okay. he, this was like in the mid-1800s. He, right. um, he just... 
became passionate about his faith and wanted to see a city saved. Mm. And he went out and doing what, you know, a lot of people did in that day and what we've done, you know, in the history of, of, of the church here in the States in the last century or so went out doing some door knocking and knocking on doors, trying to share the gospel and just didn't go too well. <laughs> it's hard to knock on doors. That doesn't always yeah. go well. Sometimes it does, but lots of times it doesn't. And so he, um, he, he got together uh, this idea of having a prayer meeting. And so he had this room in this place, this building, and, and he showed up, had the scheduled prayer meeting, he passed out flyers, all those kinds of things. And, and on that first day uh, for this prayer meeting, he got to the room that he had reserved and nobody showed up. Mm. And so he started praying by himself. And about an hour later, somebody showed up and began praying with him. Um, long story short, over the next few weeks, uh, this this man, Jeremiah Lampfear, and his buddy who showed up with him uh, kept showing up to pray on a weekly basis, and then others began to join them. And before you know it, there were hundreds and hundreds of businessmen from all over the city that were gathering with Jeremiah Lampfear just to pray for the city. And and before you know it, uh, that, that prayer meeting, it began to multiply, not just throughout the city, but throughout the nation. And all over the nation, there were groups meeting to pray. And, and by scholars' estimates, something like a million people came to faith in Christ as a result of Jeremiah Lampfear starting that prayer meeting in New York oh City. Gosh. So that's just another example of a genuine revival that took place in our states, right? Um, and so so what we have going on in Asbury, uh, it very well could be a revival. Now, um, we'll talk about this in a moment, but you have all kinds, especially with social media. Social media makes everything bad. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? So if you follow social media, YouTube or Twitter, especially on YouTube, there, there's lots of videos uh, if you'll go and search uh, that show the services and what's yeah. going on. There's some live streams you can go watch and actually see. Uh, there, there's um, you go on Twitter, you'll get all kinds of comments from people who are for it and people who are against it and everything else in between. What's been interesting about this revival is they have tried their best and have been successful to keep it student led. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my understanding, just based on various reports I've read, there have been some Christian celebrities you know, worship leaders, big name pastors who've called the university and have asked, hey, can we come and help? Can we come and maybe lead worship or maybe come and preach? And they, nope, this is student-led, which I applaud uh, the administration for doing that because I I think they really want it to be about uh, the work of the Spirit and not about, you know, a celebrity. Now, there have been celebrities there. Uh, there have been celebrities who've gone and participated but have not been on the stage leading or preaching. Um, I've... I've, um, you know, I've, I've had some buddies that have made the way uh, to Asbury because now all of a sudden it's not just a student thing. I mean, it really has captured the attention of the nation. If you if you watch news channels, I mean, it's been on Fox News, yeah. it's been it's been on CNN, yeah, uh, and probably other networks as well. I just I just know it's been on those because I've seen those reports come sure. across uh, the internet and those kinds of things. And so that's interesting that that this revival or whatever you want to call it, this this movement, this awakening that's taking place in Asbury, it really has. Captured captured the attention of the nation, which is really interesting to me because that's a good thing. We, we need, I always think we need, you know, something like this capturing the attention of the nation. And now it's almost become like a, a place of spiritual pilgrimage mm-hmm. that, that they're continuing on. I, 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 I haven't watched whole services or much of it. I've, I've, yeah, I've watched some clips on YouTube, so I don't know exactly all the things they're doing uh, in those services that are ongoing other than, you know, praying together, worshiping, and, you know, I think there's some testimonies, and I'm sure there's some preaching going on as well. But you have all these people now, not just college students, but, but people traveling literally from all over the country just to go be a part of this experience, right? So you have um, um, people waiting. And I, I remember I saw on one of the social media posts, um, people waiting in line 
you know, in their car, yeah. in their car to get into the town, like traffic backed up three or four miles to get into the town. And then they'll go and they'll stand in a line at the university, uh, you know, a couple of hours just to get in to experience a few hours inside of the room where it's taking place. And so yeah, and the, I actually saw a sign and I don't know if the, you know, they can doctor everything, but it says revival full. Yeah. Yeah. I've you seen know, some of those signs too. So it's know, really wild. It's, it's kind of highway signs. It's kind of overtaken this little community where Asbury's located. Mm. And, and I've read some other articles where how it's caused this economic boom <laughs> in, in that city. Well, because people are coming, they need a hotel yeah, to stay in course, or whatever the case yeah. may be, but it's just really, really wild what's taking place. And, um, yeah, so I, uh, praise God for it, yeah. and we'll see what happens as a result of it, but it's been really fascinating uh, to keep up with this. I have been a part of a revival um, that was spirit-led completely. I was I was in the middle of preaching, and somebody said, Pastor, it's in the middle of my sermon. Somebody said, and was actually Chairman Deacons, and he said, I need to say something. I yeah. said, all right, brother, <laughs> go ahead. And he began to confess his sin. Mm. And then another one stood up, and another one stood up, and another yeah, one stood cool, up. Cool. And uh, this happened at our early service, went through our Sunday school service, uh, Sunday school, which was the middle hour, and then went into the 11 o'clock service. And it we just went on and on. People started crowding in. The word got out. People started piling into the church. Um, and it was an amazing thing. Now, ours was not hours, and ours was hours, was hours not days. Yeah. And at the end, I said, you know, y'all are welcome to go home. Nobody would go home. Mm, this went on mm, and on and on. Mm. So it it's just, and I, I just well, what I want to reiterate is that it is spirit led. You yeah, had yeah. zero control. Yeah. I, I probably would have said the same thing. This one stunk. I'll be home in a little while. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, uh, it was all it was all spirit led and had nothing zero to do with me. Zero. Mm, mm. You know, it was just bam happened. Mm. And uh, you know, it is it, it it got a little messy. People probably said a few things they shouldn't have said and things like that. And yeah. but it was a confession of sin and worship and praying a lot of yeah. praying. Very powerful. Um, so I do think it's a real thing. Yeah, I do too. You know, I, I do too. I, I, I haven't I been a part of anything con- like that, but yeah, uh, I've been not a part contri- of some worship services. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's not contrived. It's not made up. Uh, no. I can't tell you Asbury, but I'm saying they, these things do happen. Obviously. I mean, yeah. we see that throughout the history of our nation yeah. and, and other parts of the world too. America is not the only place to experience revival. Is that, and in the um, next year, we saw over 100 people saved and man, baptized. That's awesome. So. Yeah, so we, we want to see stuff like that in Northwood. Yeah, you know, exactly. Moving God's spirit, absolutely. So let's let's talk about yeah, this real quick because we've already been talking a lot. But I want to talk about six reasons why um, we don't experience revival I more think this often. Is good. Yeah. And for some of us, here's the reality. Yeah. Uh, for some of us, like myself, mm. I, I don't know if I've ever been a part of a, what I would classify as a real revival or wake. I've been a part of some powerful worship services, mm-hmm. some powerful prayer services for sure. I've seen God do some great things among his people. But something like an, an Asbury, I've never been a part of, or something like you know a, a service that went on for hours and hours and hours, I've never been a part of. Uh, so why is that? Why is that? And so yeah. I want to talk about that and, and kind of encourage us to think about how we can uh, experience the move of God in our own lives and maybe even experience the move of God in our churches. Amen. All right. Well, the first reason is this. We are critical of the Spirit's work. Now, we have seen that with this Asbury University thing. And and if you're a Twitter person, uh, you've probably seen some of this. If you're not a Twitter person, let me just tell you this out there, that we've seen lots and lots of critics rise up and say, this this is not a move of God. This is contrived. This is emotionalism. This is you know theologically weak or whatever the case may be. And again, I'm not there. I don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, but I, 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 I know that we have a ten- tendency in our intellectualism and in our arrogance to say, I don't want to be a part of this unless I can explain it. Yeah, yeah. 
Which sometimes when the Spirit of God works, you just can't explain yeah, it. Yeah, right? I was going to say, then you're, you're never going to be I a mean, part. That, but that's, that's the reality. And, and here's what I know, too, right? I mean, what, what, what breaks my heart is the number of people, pastors, scholars, theologians, whatever you want to call them, they're being critical of college students worshiping God. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like That's a, that's a rough deal. That, that is. Now, I'm telling here, they're you. college students. They're, they're 18, 19, 20. I don't expect them at this point in their lives to have all of their theology figured out. Mm. I, I'm 44 years old. I have a PhD from a theological institution. I am steeped in theology, uh, but I still don't think I have all mine figured out either. Mm. There's still areas in my theology I'm growing and developing and learning because that's the way that it is. So I certainly don't expect an 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old young person to have all of their theology figured out. I don't expect them to get all their doctrines exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I just yeah. don't, right? And so like, cut these kids some slack. I mean, they could be out partying. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They could be out drinking every night. They could be out doing all kinds of things, but they're not. Yeah. They're together in a chapel, worshiping God, uh, confessing their sins, and praying uh, praying to God. Are they going to get some things wrong theologically? Probably so. And and, and, and hopefully they're going to grow in that. But ex- at the same time, I, I'm not going to be overly critical of college students who want to worship God. And and, yeah. and 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 I believe in a genuine way where they're exalting Christ, where they're trying. I mean, I know Asbury Seminary or Asbury University's doctrinal statement. It, it, it's it's a Wesleyan type school, so mm-hmm. it's not a Southern Baptist school, but theologically. They believe in the errancy of Scripture. Mm-hmm. They believe in Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation. They're a good, solid, theological, conservative university. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so for me to be very critical, I think is is you know not a good thing. And I, and that's what I've seen. I've seen a lot of criticism, and I understand that we need to be discerning for sure. But at the same time, think about what's going on. So a, you can't always explain a movement of God, and these are college students that are yeah. wanting to honor God. That's a good thing. I agree. I think we got, and I think we got to be careful because I mean one of. The, this is probably over over the board, but they were accusing Jesus of casting out demons by uh, Satan's That's power. right. That's right. And so I have heard, whether it's true or not, um, and it was from one of my professors, that attributing the works of God to the work of Satan is a very serious charge. Yeah, that ain't, that ain't good, man. And uh, Jesus I said that is, the, yeah. that is the unforgivable sin yeah that's, that's what, what they believe me, yeah so anyway that's that's one that i don't know that that's exactly right but i'm just saying we've got to be super careful of criticizing the spirit's work yeah I yeah mean, and that's heavens. and i think that's part of it right like um, maybe part of the reason why we don't experience uh the spirit's work right uh is is because we are uh we are sometimes more over intellectual mm-hmm. And and uh, we we don't think about you know God is a supernatural God yes he that is. that he he is spirit and he is a spirit uh, that that does work in the lives of people in supernatural ways as he chooses to and and so uh, you know I, I, it's right to be discerning and I I feel like I'm I'm pretty discerning and I can be not only discerning but I can be sometimes I've been critical side by too, side right? with you with things going uh, yeah, on yeah so, so I mean I, but but at the same time I, I I don't want to put God in a box. Amen. You know, God is more than able to work in unexplainable ways, and and that's God's business. Yeah, God didn't call me up on the phone and say, "Trey, hey, I'm about to do this. Is yeah, this yeah. okay with you?" That's right. That's right. Hey, Tommy, um, these kids, I mean, they got all their theology straight. I, I need to know that before I send revival. And that's just not how it works. In God's season, in God's time, in God's way, He does things like this. And who are we to stand back and be overly critical? Now we need to be discerning. I'm not Amen. saying not be discerning Amen. for sure. Be discerning, uh, but at the same time, give some grace to these students who are really seeking. Trying to seek the Lord, right? I like that. Give some grace. I really think that's so important. 
Number two, we don't make time for the Spirit's work. Yeah, I think that's another reason why we don't experience, you know, these these movements of God. Um, now, when we think about this, and let's be clear, uh, we, we cannot contrive revival. We cannot produce a movement of God. We can prepare for it. We can pray for it, but we can't produce it. It's God's thing, that, that God works in these ways according to his will as he purposes. Mm-hmm. And so, so we can prepare our hearts for it, but it's really up to God if he's going to choose to send this type of awakening or not. And why he does these things and how he does these things, I have no idea, and none of us really do. Uh, so, so, but here's what I do know. Uh, if we don't make time for God's work, we certainly aren't going to see God work. Mm-hmm. Now, and, I, and I say that, uh, you know, you think about that, that revival you saw, you know, break out in your church years ago, and you made time. Yeah. Y'all spent together hours uh, in prayer and confession. Yeah. You think about these college students, and, and maybe this is why, you know, revival seems to take place on college campuses more than it does in local churches. Because you know what college students have? Time. They got time. <laughs> now, I know they got to go to class. I get that. But, you know, I got kids. I got a job. Yeah. I, I don't have time. Right. You know what I'm saying? College students have time. They have time to, you know, go to class, then come back and worship and all those kinds of things. That, that for some, we, I was talking about this with a buddy of mine. Just We were talking about what, what, what it would look like to have revival like this in a local church like ours. You think about just all the um, logistics, like child oh, care, yeah. and we've got two services. What if what if revival were to break out in our nine thirty service? Mm-hmm. What do we do about the eleven o'clock service? And so, because I know in a, I'm in the nine thirty, I'm always watching the clocks, and I've got to get more people in. Yeah. So, 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 really, if you think about it, uh, the way that we we organize our services, and it's it's just the way we have to do it. I get that. I'm not you know criticizing the way we organize our services, but the way we do sometimes it it it. it it, it's set up so that we don't make the time for that extended season of prayer or confession because we got to get out of here because we can move on to the next thing. And, and, and here's why I know, right, that if we're going to experience a movement of God, it, it really does take time to, to seek God and to be in the Scripture together, to pray together, to confess sin together. All those things take time, and you can't confine you know, a movement of God to uh, the hour and 15 minutes we might have on a Sunday morning for a worship service. So, And not only that, but in your own life, taking time in your own life to pray and to mm-hmm. seek God on a daily basis experience revival in your own life i mean you know this is this is the reality of spiritual disciplines to see god grow you it always takes a commitment of time Mm -hmm. and and oftentimes we're not willing to give that time and so we don't experience it we don't experience the renewal in our lives we don't experience that that growth those things that god wants to do because we're not willing to give the time Number three, third reason, we're not willing to pray. So if you think about most revivals that have broken out in our nation, in the, it, it, they are. They, they, they are built on prayer, the prayers of God's people. Uh, for whatever reason, coming together to pray and confess sin, to pray for uh, movement of God, whatever. Uh, you think about Jeremiah Lampfear that I mentioned yeah. earlier on, that was a prayer revival. Yeah. Th- that seems to be what happens. People uh, come together and they begin to pray, and the Spirit of God honors the prayers of His people. That seems to be what happened at Asbury. A guy got up and preached a sermon, but what he did at the end of the sermon, he offered invitation. He called people to pray in a specific way. Mm-hmm. You can go back and watch the video and see how he did it, but he called people to pray in a specific way. Way. People responded, and they've kept on responding, mm. and so so that's the deal. You think about Trey. I, I know in my experience as a, a Southern Baptist church pastor for twenty years, and growing up in a Southern Baptist uh, church, like we used to have Wednesday night prayer meetings. Yeah, you know how many people people came to those? About twelve. Nobody, right? I mean, that was it. I, a I mean, dozen. I know, right? And and yeah. you know. Um, churches I grew up in, we would have two hundred people come on the same morning, but it really would be twelve to fifteen on Wednesday night. Mm. 
You know, I remember I was, um, uh, when I was a worship leader at a church in college, you've heard me talk about yeah, Law Cabin yeah. Baptist Church. Um, when I was worship leader there as a, you know, 20 year old, 19 year old uh, college student, I remember we would have 100 people in worship on Sunday morning and then we would have 10 to 15 at prayer meeting. And I remember uh, my pastor, Bob, he took prayer meetings seriously. Mm-hmm. We prayed. Yeah. That's all we did for an hour was pray. And he got a lot of pushback on that. Oh, like, boy. He's like, we, we need to do something else. We can pray. But we also need to have a Bible study oh, or whatever. So, so he, he, he did. He started leading. And we started prayer time, but he started to, you know, give a Bible study at the same time. And, and so, but, you know, people just didn't want to come and just pray. Mm-hmm. They want to do something else. Give us a Bible study or some fellowship time. Something we don't really meet, matters. Yeah. We don't want to just meet to pray. What, I mean, what's that going to accomplish? What accomplishes everything? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the, you know, James 5, 16, the, the power of prayer, right? The, the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's, you know, I mean, God does work, uh, uh, as as we pray, as we seek His face, and I, I think you know one of the reasons why we don't experience revival a lot or movements of God is because we're not willing to take the time to pray. Number four reason we're not willing to repent of sin, and that's a big one. And I think you've seen that here at this Asbury uh, revival that's been taking place. There has been lots of confession of sin. And go back again on YouTube and watch some of the videos. There's just video after video of, of testimony of people confessing sin, brokenness, and all those kinds of things. And 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 that's the reality. Uh, we talked about Sunday morning how we have this ongoing need for forgiveness yes. that we never outgrow our need for forgiveness. But, and I, and I don't mean this in a way that that uh, that is like it's going to sound. But here's the reality: um, um, I, I I preach on repentance or forgiveness, you know, whenever it comes up in the text, right? If it's something that comes up in the text, I'll we'll focus on that. I'll say we always talk about repentance, yeah. but we we kind of focus in on it a little more uh, in detail when it comes up in the text. Um, on those Sundays when I. I I preach sermons that are really focused on turning from sin and repenting and confessing. Those are the Sundays that I most feel like I'm hearing crickets. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's just, that's, that's true. Right. I mean, I, I, I it, it just doesn't seem like maybe I'm wrong. Cause I don't know the hearts of people. I don't know what's going on hearts people. Yeah. It just from my perception on the stage, I just feel like a lot of times on those Sundays is like, okay, I, I I don't, I don't know if anybody's getting this, you know, and, and maybe that's just me. Maybe pe- everybody is getting it. And I just, you know, I just, uh, my perception, but it, it just seems like that's not something we want to do. Mm-hmm. We, we like our sin and to actually repent of it, to experience. I mean, I know this, I can't remember the last time I've been in a worship service where I can genuinely say, yeah, people were broken by the spirit of God. And there was ongoing confession of sin mm-hmm. as a result of, of, of people being uh, together in, in prayer and together uh, under the proclamation of the word and it resulted in people really confessing sin. I, I can't tell you the last time I've experienced that. Yeah. I also think it's pride. I mean, I think that's also, in, yeah, in that's, a that's way, it. You know, that's they, it. They don't want to, they don't but want to admit. I don't want to admit. To I, don't, I don't want people to know that, that, that I'm struggling. I don't you people know. know that I'm a sinner, yeah. but, yeah. but you are, Amen. you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I could give you a list of my sins right now, but we won't do so because I'm prideful. <laughs> <laughs> right? Fifth reason, we're not willing to restore broken relationships. Yeah, we're not. And, that, and again, That's if you go back and look thing. at what's taking place at Asbury, uh, you've got lots of reports coming back up about reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Because here's what here's what um, the Spirit of God wants to do. The Spirit of God wants to do a work in you that, that restores you to himself and restores you to other people. We have been called by Christ through his death and resurrection to be a family, uh, to be brothers and sisters in Christ who've been adopted in. And so we want to live in right relationship with each other. 
And, and lots of times the reason why churches struggle so much is because we're unwilling to live in right relation. You've been a part of a couple of good church fights, haven't you? Oh, man. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And so so I think what happens in these moments of awakening or revival, however you want to classify it, is that there is this genuine desire to make things right, mm-hmm. to make things right with God, obviously, to repent, but also to make things right with each other, mm-hmm. to live in unity. And I think you're seeing that come out of Asbury, and that's what we need to see within our local churches. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming that only on any given Sunday, uh, that our churches are full of people who are living in broken relationships. Mm-hmm. God doesn't desire that. That doesn't honor the Lord to live in broken relationships. What honors the Lord is reconciliation. Broken relationships. Second Corinthians 5, he's yeah. given us a ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Right? And uh, I mean, so much of the reconciliation that needs to be made is between husbands and wives yeah, and, absolutely. and children and parents. Absolutely. And, absolutely. You know, just family, familial. Absolutely. All right. F- sixth reason and the last reason, we're not willing to obey. That's it. The Spirit of God speaks. He's saying something. He wants us to respond, yeah. respond obedience. And, and so, so and I hear this a lot about the Asbury movement that's taking place, and, and I agree uh, that, uh, that we'll know if this was revival years from now. Why? Because we'll see the fruit. Right. What's right. the fruit of revival? The fruit of revival is, is changed lives. Yes. Lives are transformed by the power of Christ. Lives that are obedient to the Lord as a result of his grace that work in our lives. And so, so in a sense, that's right. We won't know what it is until we see the fruit, until we see. Uh, but, but I can tell you this, that, that, uh, that awakenings, when God gets a hold of your heart, revival, whatever you want to call it, however you classify it, it will result in people being transformed by the power of Christ and obeying. And so if you're not willing to obey God, you're not going to experience revival. Bible. Because that's what it is. Well, I mean, yeah. what God wants to do in your life is not just give you a spiritual experience. And I and I and I hope and pray. Talk about discernment. I hope and pray that that's not what's taking place at Asbury. That this is just a spiritual experience. Let's come and get a spiritual high and go home. This is something that lives are being changed and and resulting in people, followers of Jesus, who are willing to say, wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Uh, That's real revival, where we're awakened in our hearts in such a way that we want to follow God well and be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It's not a spiritual experience. It's not just a, you know, two weeks of playing a lot of great songs and singing. It revivals much more than that. I hope and pray that's what's taking place at Asbury. I think when I see the reports coming out, that seems to be what's taking place. There seems to be some of that, a lot of that. Um, And I hope that that continues to be the case. And I hope that if that's what's happening, if what's happening at Asbury is people are being awakened by the Spirit of God in such a way that they're repenting from sin, restoring relationships, and walking in obedience to God, then God, please send that uh, to other places all across this nation and this world. Amen. Well, Pastor, I think this has been a refreshing look at how we also, when you say the don't part, let's do let's do yeah, the do part absolutely. You know, so that we can be those people absolutely. that uh, respond to God's Spirit. Absolutely. All right, well, Pastor, get us ready for next week as we prepare. All right, well, I hope this has been encouraging for you today and helpful for you. And if it has been helpful for you, we sure would like you to hit that subscribe button so you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. We would like it if you'd leave us a five-star review because those things really help us to get word out about our podcast. And as always, we hope today's episode has helped you connect faith to life. <music>